Hey, how are y'all doing? Good, good, good. So I'm going to kind of review a little bit from last week about what we talked about. And uh, for some of y'all, if you aren't there, I'll try to tell you a little bit about what we talked about, some main points, and then we're going to get right into it. So last week, uh, we started our two-part series or two-part um, Wednesday night series on Christian community and what Christian community is. Um, we read out of first, uh, Colossians 1 and read that God created all things for his glory. Everything was created in him, for him, and all things hold together in Christ. That includes Christian community. Uh, we read that Jesus is the head of the body, the body of Christ, the church, and through Jesus' death on the cross, he has now reconciled God to man, and he's also reconciled man to man. So we got both the vertical and the horizontal um, reconciliation. Cody, can you throw that, that first slide up? We can just kind of review real quick. <clears throat> so Christ is the mediator, right? So we talked about how because of Christ, because of his death on the cross, um, because of our separation from God, um, God sent the person of Christ to die on the cross, to shed blood, to bridge that gap, right? And Christ is the reconciliation between God and man and between each other. We read from Ephesians. Um, we talked about the Jews and the Gentiles in the Ephesian church and how completely separate they are, completely different they are. And even those people being completely um, turned off to one another um, can be united in Christ through uh, what he's done on the cross. Um, and if you go to the, the next slide, Cody, real quick, we talked about if we flip that horizontal axis kind of and look down on it, um, we're all connected to one another through Christ. And our interactions with one another in Christian community are through the person of Christ and through what Christ has done on the cross. We talked about what it means to be, uh, what it meant to, for the ground to be level at the foot of the cross for all of us because we're all coming in to, to Christ with the same sin with the same sin nature with the same separation from christ and it was uh another point was made that we come out on the other side knowing christ uh, with the same um result having hope in christ and so god is the person christ is the person that unites us we talked about how we don't connect to one another directly in christian community but we do so when we connect to christ and as we seek christ christ builds our community um, we also talked about the second point was talking about um, the human ideal of Christian community and the spiritual reality of Christian community. And the human ideal being that we have a perfect image in our heads of what community looks like, but what the Spirit leads and what Christ has done might be different. We might try to build into Christian community in certain ways where we think is really helping it, really building it up, but what we're doing is we're pulling people away from Christ and more towards ourselves or more towards some institution, a church body or or some sort of event maybe, and we end up guiding people away from Christ um, as we pull people into community. So we're going to pick up from last week, and we're going to continue along this human uh, ideal and spiritual reality um, train and talk about the differences and what we see in the human and the, and the spiritual. Um, do y'all remember what we talked about last week? Um, what were the differences between the human ideal and the spiritual reality? If you weren't here and you know what the difference is between human ideal and spiritual reality, go ahead. 
talked about what an ideal was, the definition of an ideal. And we, it, it was easy to talk about it in a sentence, right? Uh, to put some application. My ideal house looks like this, or my ideal job looks like that, right? And so the ideal was the perfect image in your head. I think Brad Gallion said something like it was a utopia. Is that what you said? Utopian idea. The best we could ever dream up, right? But the spiritual reality, what was that? Patrick's not here, I'd call on him. Patrick said it was hard work, right? It's hard work to live in Christian community with one another, right, through Christ, because we're sinners, we have sin nature. We're all redeemed by Christ, but the spiritual reality is that community is hard. Community is hard to work at sometimes. It's a blessing. That's what we read from Psalm 133 last, last week. It's a blessing, something that we should pursue, but it's hard, right? And so we, we have this ideal in our heads that, you know, this is the perfect Christian community. Um, and then sometimes when, when flesh meets it and when sin meets it, we realize it's really hard. But the bridge between all this is Christ, right? We're all connected in Christ to one another. Um, so we're going to continue talking about what is part of the human ideal and what's part of the spiritual reality. So let's turn to Ephesians 2. We're going to read Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what are the descriptors, the descriptions, the adjectives used in Ephesians 1, 2, 1 through 6 that talk about our human reality, our human ideal? Our human reality. Dead. Yeah. Disobedient. If you're note takers, uh, you can start making a table and just write human ideal or human reality, and these are all the things that come out of our human, human reality. So disobedience, death, what else? Wrath. There's at least two more I wrote down. Passion, yep. Passion and flesh were the ones that I wrote down. So we, we can see here that our original condition as man, having this human nature, is that we're dead. We're dead in sin, and that's the reality that we live in. And we, we can't do anything inside of ourselves. We have no part of ourselves that is good. We have no hope, on, hope in anything other than through Christ to find redemption of that sin. Um, Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered you from the domain of darkness and has transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved son. So darkness is another adjective we can use. Flip over to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, we'll start in 5 and we'll read through 8. It says, 
Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is condemning, or excuse me, on the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you, who, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. So what are adjectives, what are descriptors in these last few verses that talk about the human reality? Go ahead and name them out. They're right there. Thank you, Christy. <laughs> Any others? I'm trying to paint this picture of the differences. We'll, we'll go to the spiritual here in a minute, but I want us to, to, to think about these. So what are the consequences of this reality? Look at all those descriptions. What are the consequences of living in that reality? The wrath of God. Let's... That's good. That's perfect. No, no, that's good. It is. It's what it says. <laughs> Apply that to our life. When you look in around our world, around our community, around Greenville, around the U.S., wherever, what do you see as the consequences? They may be social consequences. They may be other consequences. How do those play out in reality? Divorce. Broken families. Chaos and confusion, yes. Self-seeking, yeah. Any others? I wrote down suicide. Fathers leaving mothers, greed, seeking fulfillment in a job or success, um, women having to lead in places where men should be leading, domineering, teen pregnancy, just pregnancy outside of marriage, period, unfaithfulness outside of marriage. It's a lot of them, right? So let's consider now, we kind of wrote this human column of all these attributes of what it looks like to live in the human reality. Let's flip over and talk about the spiritual reality. So let's flip back to Ephesians 2, and let's reread those. I'm going to talk about it one more time. <clears throat> I'm going to start and read, read through 1 through 6 again. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he, had, he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what are the descriptions out of there? What does it say that our spiritual reality is? Alive. Yep. Seated with him. Mm -hmm. 
Saved by grace. Yeah. Flip over to uh, a few chapters to Ephesians 4, where we read 1 through 3. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, calling, excuse me, to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Continuing in 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather, him, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Can we, can we list some of those out? What are, the, what are the realities of the spiritual? Cody, you can put my table on the, on the screen. Forgiveness? <clears throat> Yeah, you can, you can cheat now and write it all down. <laughs> so in the spiritual, we have alive, seated. We talked about that. Humble, humbleness, or excuse me, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, eager, united, peace, truth. We're working and we're not lazy. We're building and we're not destructive. We're forgiving instead of being divisive. Tender-hearted versus hard-hearted, kind instead of being mean, and we love in a way that is serving instead of self-serving. So, if we grab this picture of what the human ideal looks like and the spiritual reality looks like, and we apply it to Christian community, from what we talked about last week, we can see that the human ideals are when we connect one to another. And the spiritual reality, the things that come out of that right column, are what happen when we, communi- when we live in community with one another through Christ. Cody, can you go to the next slide? So that's, that's our human reality versus our spiritual reality. So we talked about last week. When we connect one to another outside of Christ, we rely on the things in the human category to, to relate to one another. But Christ, having been the mediator between us between God and man and between man and man, we now put on the things of the Spirit and we have a different way of relating to one another. And we relate to one another through Christ. So in order to break this down a little bit better, maybe to give you a better idea, we're going to talk about different kinds of love. Okay? Um, Colossians 3.14 says, And above all these, all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So human love seeks to bind itself to another person to bind that person for the sake of feeling superior, to feel pleasure and status. It forces, it manipulates, it often wants to rule, and it often wants to disregard truth. 
Sometimes it wants to twist truth to make it relative, to make it feel better. That's, that's what our heart wants to do. That's what our sin nature wants to do, right? It does not serve others, but seeks to serve itself. And the term that we use for this is eros love, right? Which is where we get the term erotic love, which is physical love. The flip side of that, the spiritual love, is agape love, which is serving. It's compassion. It's generosity. It's non-domineering, and it's not coercive. Eros love breeds, does not breed unity, but agape love does bring, breed unity. And the spiritual reality is where that agape lives, and the human reality is where the eros lives. Cody, you want to go to the next slide real quick? So that's what we get. When we connect to one another through Christ, we put on that agape love, we serve one another, we put on the things of the spirit and not on the things of the flesh, and if we were try to relate to one another outside of Christ, we put on eros love. We put on the things of the flesh. So what does it mean to live in Christian community together? How do we, how do, we do this? How do we put off the flesh and put on the spirit? By being accountable to one another? That's good. You gotta show up. You gotta show up? What do you mean? Well, you just gotta be here. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm convicted of that right now. I'm just doing what I'm doing. How do you put off the flesh and put on the spirit? Be transparent. Be honest. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. It's work. Yeah. Spending time in the Word. Taking thoughts captive. Do this all day, right? Or at least we can win it or we can lose it all day. Taking thoughts captive as they come up and realizing, trying to realize, hey, is that a good thought? Is that a thought of the Spirit or is that the thought of the flesh? Or an action. Is that, a, is that an action of the flesh or is that an action of the Spirit? What fueled that? We do it with our kids all the time, right? or at least in our family we do, we look at the, the deed and say, what caused that? What attitude did that? Connect that to your heart. Connect that to your, your head. And what does Christ say about that? 
Christ has put on the, these things, things that are loving, things that are, well, I'll put the, the list down now, but things that are generous and, and humble and gracious with one another instead of divisive and destroying and breaking, right? Uh, a couple application points that we can talk to about this, this uh, picture of, of how we connect people with, through Christ. It means that we don't love people by trying to coerce them to Christ. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is when we try to wedge ourselves between Christ and other people, we try to put ourselves in, inside that blue line between Christ and another person, we are getting in the way of what Christ is doing, how Christ is connecting with that person. We need to be encouraging people to seek Christ first and not to seek what we can point them to, towards or what we can encourage them towards or how we can help uh, build them up, but we need to put their hope and their trust in Christ, point them towards that direction. We often try to connect ourselves to people that we really want to be part of a body or we really want to be part of um, our community, and we try to pull them, and we end up putting ourselves right in the middle of that blue line between Christ and that person. <clears throat> if we really believe that the word of God is the power unto salvation, then we must trust and rely that the relationship that God has with man is better than the relationship that we have with man. And that his calling to Christ, his calling to himself, is better and stronger than what we can try to call and pull them to, right? <clears throat> we talked about this a little bit last week. It also means that when we interact directly with one, another's, with one another, if we do it in a human way, uh, we don't need the weak and insignificant people. If we're trying to build our human ideal, right, we want to build it strong. We want to build it with people that can make it something. Taller, higher, bigger, better. And the weak people are not people that are going to support that, right? But what 1 Corinthians says, 12, is that all parts of the body are needed. And even the weaker ones, even the ones that maybe are less public, are still extremely important. I'm kind of reminded of a, of a guy that is part of this body that you might look at him and think he's, he's a weaker person. But I've had an experience within the last couple of weeks seeing him very committed to praying for this body on his own and with other people that you might not see on Sunday morning. And he is extremely important to this body because of the words that he brings and because of how he intercedes for people sitting in this room day to day, week to week. That guy prays for this body. And you might not see him interacting. You might not see him serving in every place. But man, he is super vital. So those weaker parts, the ones you can't see, trust that as people seek Christ, that they, even though they may seem weaker, are an extremely part, strong, important part of the body. Something I think is interesting when you look at this diagram um, and this concept of the eros love versus the agape love is that it's often really hard to let go of eros relationships even though agape relationships are nearby or available. Do you, you follow me? It's really easy to latch on to something that's actually not real or not, not true even though Truth is right next to it. Do y'all have any examples of that? Does that ring home with you at all? What are applications of that?
Boom. That is a great example. <laughs> Perhaps you can do both together. <laughs> what else? What are examples of latching onto something fake or something easy that's really in the human side of the column instead of living in the spirit? You can kind of hide behind this Christian thing too in that a lot. What else? There's like a ton of examples, y'all. <laughs> An example I had was thinking about young married couples trying to live together. When we got married, two people that aren't used to living with one another, learning the ebbs and flows of what a household looks like with two people living in it is very difficult, especially at the beginning. You have your way of doing it, even though you've, you've been dating or you know courting or whatever for a while. You know each other. You don't really know that she likes to fold her clothes this way and it has to be that way, right? Or that this was the thing for us. It was, <laughs> it was really, really dumb. But my definition of simmering like rice on the stove was way different than Krista's. And we like argued over this. I mean, I remember it. It's like, no, simmering is a low, low rolling boil. No, simmering is a faster. It was just really, really dumb. Back to my example is that Serving someone else in that capacity means giving up your right to be right, right? The eros in that is, well, my way is better versus the agape way of, well, you're cooking dinner. Thanks for serving me. I should just let you be alone and, and, and do it your way. And there's a lot of things in that, right? You could apply that to a lot of compromise um, in marriage. Um, I think another one that's easy when you think about the eros and the agape is Addiction. You could think of a lot of addictions. Addictions are very human. And seeking um, reprieve, seeking relief from that, we find that in the spirit. So whether it's addiction to drugs or pornography um, or addictions to people praising you and seeking praise versus not praise, um, there's a lot that our mind desires in the flesh. Um, is a pretty easy one to come to mind. So it's often really easy to grab onto that fake, cheap love or that fake, cheap reality of human, human reality instead of seeking after spiritual reality, which is nearby, but it, it's, it's not as easy. And sometimes it doesn't look as glorious, right? Sometimes you think, man, I wish I could go do that. That looks like, like a lot of fun, but I'm seeking Christ and I'm going this direction. It's similar to community. Living community, sometimes it looks better. I wish I could go to that church. They've got a really big building and they've got all these events and my kids would love it. And not that 
that is bad. But if you feel like God is calling you to a place because Christ is putting you in that spot, putting you in that community, you're seeking a different kind of thing, then follow that direction. I don't think it's coincidental at all that in Ephesians 4 that we just read, 28, let me find it real quick. It says, we're talking about the flesh and the spirit. It says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The flesh part of that is, the human part of that is the stealing, right? Someone who has grown up stealing and taking something for himself, maybe not earning it. That's the human side. The spirit side is turning over, being redeemed by Christ, and starting to labor and to work. It's a shift in actions. It's a shift in mindset. Your heart changes. You have to pretty much adopt a new way of lifestyle, if you think about that. If you're used to stealing for, for everything you need, turning around to work for it and having to pay for it, taking things, having to buy things or, or give up buying things because you can't afford it versus just being able to steal it, that's a completely different life, lifestyle. The thief decides to give up that life to work for it and not just for himself, but, though that, but so that he is more prepared to serve others. Did you see that at the end of it? It says... Doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So the outcome of putting off the flesh, putting on the spirit, working for the spirit, is that we serve other people. That in Christian community, we have a way of putting on the spirit and actually meeting physical needs, right? Putting on the spirit and meeting needs that are in our lives, in community, right? When the the Thornton's family need money for um, repairing home, when... With when meals are needed because people are in the hospital. We put on the things of the Spirit. We are generous, we're loving, we're kind, and out of that outflow of the Spirit, we meet fleshly needs, right? Things that we um, see day to day. So this is how community works. We labor in the Spirit to meet human needs. For some people, it's a whole lot more work than others. Um, but the sweet outcome is that we get to serve one another. So what prevents the spiritual from leading us to serve the human reality? I'll say it again. What prevents the spiritual from leading us to serve the human reality? What prevents us? What keeps us from serving others in, in the spirit? Our own sin, right? When we disconnect ourselves from Christ, we separate ourselves from Christ by sin, by pushing away Christ, by doing things our own, our own self, it breaks our connection with Christ and it also breaks our connection with each other, right? <clears throat> Bonhoeffer's example from Life Together that, that I used last week was... Um, from Luke 9, 46. It's really short. It says, an argument arose among them. He's talking about the disciples following Jesus. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest, period. That was it, right? An argument arose among them. Pride built up, and suddenly they got disconnected from Christ, and they connected them to one another and started fighting over who was better than Christ. It's that easy, right? It's simple thoughts, Thoughts that we don't take captive, 
So if you feel yourself disconnected, disconnecting from the community of Christ, if you feel easily slighted by brothers and sisters who rub you the wrong way, if you're too busy um, to serve other people, then you need to check yourself in with Christ. Check yourself in against those two columns. Are you putting on the things of the spirit or the things of the flesh? Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about these things and act in those things. Put off the, the things of the flesh and put on the things of the spirit. Begin to mend the relationship that you have with Christ before you try to mend relationships with one another. So a question that you might ask yourself if you kind of get crossways with someone else or you feel that spirit of competition or that spirit of anger against someone else come up, you say, what, what connection just broke down between us? Is it the connection I have with, with my brother or is it the connection I have with Christ and the fact that I forgot that we're all level at the, cry, at the foot of the cross, that my sin is no better, cleaner than his sin and that we all have grace and we're all forgiven. Which connection broke down first, my connection with Christ or my connection with that brother? And if you believe in what the Word of God says, it's the connection with Christ broke down first. Your focus on Christ broke down first. So there's obviously a whole bucket of things that separates us from Christ. Sin, you can put sin on a lot of things, right? Um, Unfortunately, for the sake of Christian community, these sins often have a way of coming out in our day-to-day life out of our mouths, out of the actions that we perform before we realize that they're a heart issue with Christ instead of a heart issue with our brother. My example of that is it's pretty often uh, easy to realize that my relationship with Christ is suffering when af- only after I snap at Nora, my daughter, or realize I'm short with someone at work or start despairing about some situation, right? It's pretty easy after the fact, sometimes, sometimes it's pretty easy to realize, oh, my hope's not on Christ. So the fact that that's a reality for us, that we often sin before we realize that our connection with Christ breaks down, there's things that we can put on as a body, spiritual disciplines, spiritual actions that can help build up Christian community. And in Life Together, he talked about a lot of things. Um, I'm only going to really talk about two tonight, but there were a couple that he, he, uh, he talked about. He talked about holding your tongue, learning how to hold your tongue and manage your tongue. Think about how the words of your mouth can be super divisive. Um, he talked about listening well to others. And if you're going to sit down and have a conversation, if you're going to be accountable to one another, but you're listening with a half, half an ear, that's not loving someone. That's not being fully vested in that person like Christ would be. So there's a couple examples that he he gave. Um, The ones that we're going to talk about tonight uh, that I want to finish up with is, the first one is service. And it's really simple to serve. You can find a lot of ways to serve people. Um, They're really trifling matters sometimes. Sometimes they're really manual labor. Sometimes they're giving up time by serving. But we all have a, a way to serve. There's all, always ways for us to honor other people above ourselves. Um, taking, t- taking on tasks like serving in the nursery, teaching our children, running the sound booth, doing meals, changing light bulbs in this building. Um, there are lists of needs. 
constantly going out to our body. And we are, this body is very faithful to pick those up, really faithful. But if you're feeling disconnected from the body, if you feel like, I just haven't connected to people well, I think service is a really good way, as we just read, that thief turning away from stealing and starting to labor, serving one another connects us to Christ, connects us to the community of Christ. So as you serve Christ and you focus on serving him by serving others, God starts to build relationships. If you serve in the nursery, you have to serve in there with someone else unless you're really going to do it alone, which is kind of impressive. But you do it alongside someone else. There's an hour there to have a conversation with someone else. Ask them what their family's like. Ask them how their day is like. Pray with them. Pray over those kids in that community uh, or that, that are in that nursery group. As you put on the Spirit, the Lord will be faithful to meet the needs of the flesh. So do you put on the, the things of the Spirit like serving other people? And the things that you feel of being disconnected and being lonely, God begins to mold those and fill those gaps. The second one I wanted to talk about was discipleship. They're kind of, kind of closely related. And I, I really like this topic of discipleship, and I really think it's important. And discipleship is older men and older women coming down and walking with younger men and younger women, and then younger men and younger women looking to someone else for wisdom and guidance, right? That's what discipleship is, walking with other people, based in truth, walking with other people. I can't think of much, I can't think of a greater way to build community from what I've seen, and this is kind of a natural, this is something I really like. This is a natural thing in me. I really like discipleship. I really like meeting with other younger guys, talking through things of the, the Spirit. I can't think of a better way to start building community in a younger generation and pouring into a younger generation than to meet with them and to build community in Christ over Christ-like things, teaching them to put on the things of the Spirit and not the things of the flesh. And if you're in a place where you don't have someone to go look up to, then y'all probably need to find that. Just It works both ways, right? <clears throat> it's a great way to build community and walk with Christ at the same time. So there's one question that we haven't really talked about so far, and that's what's the purpose of Christian community? We talked about how it, what it looks like, how Christ designed it and Christ put it together, but we really haven't talked about the purpose of Christian community. So to, to close up, let's go over to Ephesians 4. I guess we're kind of in it maybe. And look at verse 11. We'll read through 16. <clears throat> and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every part, is working properly. Oop, totally missed that. Held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So out of these verses, what do you see as attributes 
What do you see the purpose of Christian community being? Y'all can read through it again. Take your time. Mm-hmm. Plant you. To mature in Christ. The maturity thing that was just mentioned, when we walk with other brothers and our heart faints and our heart walks away from Christ, it's good to be in a Christian community where there's another person, there's a whole community of other people talking into that, right? That's not true. Don't live like that. Don't Take that thought captive and don't live according to the flesh. So being rooted and grounded in a Christian community allows us to hear truth even when we don't want to follow it, right? What did you say, Clay? What was your? To mature in Christ, yeah. What else? Equipped for ministry? Equipped to serve? The other ones I had were grow in the knowledge and the maturity of Christ. And then the last one from the... um, Verse 16, at the end it says, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So that as we put on Christ and as we walk in Christian community well, the outcome is love, love for one another. We make the bride of Christ look beautiful and pull people into to the community of Christ, pointed to, pointed to Christ, not pointed to ourselves. We get to be radiating Christ's love, basically, right? And draw people to Christ. So that's it. That's Christian community, as far as I know. <laughs> Let me pray. We'll close. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for how you've built this awesome structure, um, how you've built this awesome design of Christian community, and how nothing works together without you, and how you are very much the center of it. Um, Lord, when we try to go it alone, we fail. Um, I thank you, Lord, for Christ. I thank you for his connection um, between man and man and between the redemption we have to God. Uh, I thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters that are in our community that can get our ear and point us towards Christ when we are falling astray, when we're being lazy, when we become divisive. God, I thank you for that accountability. I thank you for the... The organization that you built in that and and how it stems from knowing you. I pray, Father, that we would point ourselves to Christ, point ourselves to you, and that when we get crossways with someone that we consider um, before we lash out that our our relationship with you needs to be mended. Uh, We need to ask forgiveness from you first and then ask for forgiveness and move in community with other people. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help these ideas of how Christian community is built, sink into our hearts, and as we walk with one another, that we would consider, um, if we're thinking of other people, we're thinking of relationships, and we're thinking about reactions that we perform, if they fall in line with the spirit or they fall in line with the flesh, and that we take those thoughts and those actions captive, Lord, and that we would um, put on the things of you and walk in your spirit. Thank you for this time, in Jesus' name, amen.